half a water all may be broken, but it's mine. Cigarette in her lips, she's smoking with distress. Walking down my street in a polka dot dress. Something in those eyes cannot be dispersed. She inside such a walk that can never be rehearsed. The lady gonna take and break my life. She's too late, already got a bottle for one. I went from 345 to 356. I walked away without one single kiss. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of One Foot in the Mud, a song by the musical project Larry Alafonte out of Youngstown, Ohio. Larry Alafonte is our featured Ohio musical artist tonight, so hang out with us to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you a little bit more about them, how to find their music, and let you listen to that entire song. Right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. Steve, the Lake Erie Monster. Oh, I love that. I love that. Those two words, Lake Erie Monster. Well, three words. Three words. Uh, our listeners out there, we've been out of this uh, game here for the last few weeks. Paula's <laughs> been out of, yeah, she took some time off. So we did everything in December, and now we're coming back strong right now with me saying those two words, okay. even though they're three. We forgive you. <laughs> well, the Lake Erie Monster, two or three words as you have it. Yeah, he, she's been pretty quiet lately. I think it's probably been a few years since I've seen anyone publicly admit to seeing her breach the surface of Lake Erie craning her long neck and spooking fishermen or chasing frightened boaters back to shore. But until she makes another appearance, we have more than 200 years worth of stories to entertain us. That's right. Before Ohio was even a state, early settlers were describing an unusual species in the lake that they referred to as a serpent. Anywhere from 17 to 60 feet in length, undulating through the water, sometimes raising its head as much as four feet above the surface, while its sleek and shiny coiled body created a powerful wake as it passed. A few decades ago, a contest in Port Clinton named the creature South Bay Bessie. Bessie being a nod to the most famous of all legendary lake monsters, the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland, which is often simply called Nessie. Nessie, okay. Now, Bessie might not be as famous as her overseas cousin, but she has a pretty colorful resume in her own right. So let's take a look at the evidence for Lake Erie's own local sea serpent. The earliest recorded appearance appears to be 1793. I couldn't find an original document on this myself, but it is referenced by many sources. The story goes... The captain of a sloop called Felicity was hunting ducks in the area of Middle Bass Island when he was surprised by a 17-foot-long snake-like creature in the water. 
Now, clearly something did happen because I did find an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer from August 23rd, 1796, where a writer said he was walking along the shores of Lake Erie for 20 miles trying to look out for that reported serpent. And he concluded the stories were lies because he never saw one. But you know, if you go looking for it, she's not going to show herself. Of course, that didn't stop others from seeing the unusual creature. There were many reports throughout the 1800s. Some witnesses tried to end it with a musket shot, reporting that they believed they had struck it, but that the shot did not seem to have any effect on the beast. One interesting sighting occurred in 1817 on the Lake Erie shore near Toledo. A pair of French settlers named Dussault said they found a 20 to 30 foot long sea creature on the beach, writhing as if in its death throes. They described it as looking something similar to a sturgeon, but covered in scales and having a couple of arm-like appendages. The brothers panicked and fled, then returned later to find it was gone. All that remained were silver scales the size of dollar coins. In 1891, I found a newspaper story out of Buffalo, the reporter hot on the trail of sightings of a 60-foot-long creature that had breasted the water, revealed a head as big as a horse's, and showed off a sleek, snake-like body that glistened red in the sunlight. The reporter had been sent to see Mr. Jarvis, a local farmer, who was understandably nervous about sharing what he'd seen. So here's what they quoted from Mr. Jarvis. I don't believe twas no serpent tall. If I would say twas, everybody be twitting me. But I saw something, and I've lived here darn 40 years, and I've never seen nothing like it. And what's more, I don't want to neither. I don't believe it's a serpent, but I don't know what tis. And you won't catch me on that lake again till it's froze over. I ain't the only one that's seen it. You can go down to Small's place. His gal Sarah seen it. She and a Miss Church had staying there a spell. They was camping down on the plat below their farm and seen it 20 minutes or a quarter of an hour before I did. And whatever twas, twas swimming this way. You go ask them about it. It's interesting. He was on Twitter that whole time. Twitting me. Everybody would twit me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in hindsight, some of those who have studied these stories say many tales may have been attempts by lakeshore communities to drum up business for their resorts. One case that almost started to turn skeptics into believers back in 1896 was an account by a Civil War veteran, Captain Lina Beecher who said he was with two others along the shore near Buffalo when they saw a serpent some 40 feet long and no more than 100 yards from shore. Well, you got to believe a Civil War captain, right? Right. But a couple months after that report, Captain Beecher announced he was opening a new single-line railway through those shore communities, making his account of the serpent attraction now suspect. Still... Others seemed to have nothing at stake when they shared their story. In July of 1892, the crew of the schooner Madeline was on its way to Toledo when they saw the water about a half mile ahead of them churning up and foaming while the rest of the lake was completely calm. When they got nearer, 
They spotted a, and here's a quote, huge sea serpent rustling about the waters as if fighting with an unseen foe. The crew of the Madeline estimated it was about 50 feet long and four feet in circumference, and that at a time it stuck its head out of the water a full four feet. It was brown and had large fins. Captain Patrick Woods and some of his crew gave interviews in a story that was picked up by dozens of newspapers all over the country. If we believe that some of these people indeed saw something inexplicable, then what was it? Well, Earth's surface is 70% water, and scientists frequently admit that the seas hold many species that are yet to be discovered. But what that size could hide in a freshwater lake? A favorite answer goes back to those French settlers. A sturgeon. They are beasts of a fish, one of the largest on the planet. They can live to be a hundred years or more. They're ugly too. They are. (laughs) They're very ugly. I mean, some of the biggest specimens have measured more than 18 feet. That's like three grown men laying end to end. They kind of have like a serpent, shiny body. They do have a shiny bat body because they don't have scales. So they look very smooth. See, I did not know they didn't have scales. That's interesting. Okay. And like you said, up close, they are ugly. They can look really frightening. I can imagine seeing this impressive creature might cause someone's perspective to go a bit wonky in the excitement. Uh, you know, and water is a natural magnifier anyway. Or maybe you're being paid to bring up the sturgeon thing. So we don't really know that there is a monster under there. Oh, they got to me. (laughs) They got to to me. Well, there is one problem with saying it's a sturgeon, and that is they're bottom feeders. They rarely come to the surface, and they have no need or ability to crane a neck out of the water. Anyway, sightings of Bessie continued through the 20th century, and in the 1990s, there was this huge push to go out there and find her. The thing that started off that campaign was a well-meaning hoax. A woman called the Put-in-Bay Gazette to have a look at this funny-shaped log by her dock. The paper decided to have fun, turning it into a fictional story that made the log a thrashing monster. The editor thought his lakeside community would just get a kick out of it. The problem with stories is they change in the retelling. And after the story was filtered through various newspapers and radio programs, it started being repeated as fact. But one good thing came of this fake story, and that is it drew out and inspired people who had what they thought were legitimate stories of their own, tales they had never told before. There were dozens of sightings repeated, like a family that said they encountered a 35-foot-long snake-like creature that raced alongside their boat during a fishing trip near Sandusky. And so Tom Solberg Sr., he was the owner of Huron Lagoons Marina, he led a group of local businessmen who offered a $150,000 reward for the serpent's live capture. They paid $5,000 to get a Lloyd's of London policy to cover the reward. They arranged for a retired professor of zoology from Ohio State University to serve as the judge if anything came in, and they set 
the criteria as something that had to be at least 30 feet long, a minimum of 1,000 pounds, and the specimen had to be a heretofore unidentified species. Huron City Council even passed a resolution declaring the city to be the live capture control center for the Lake Erie Monster. Sadly, Bessie's pen stayed unfilled. Those efforts didn't lead to any proof of Bessie's existence. But, you know, there's much more that we can say about Bessie, a lot more history. But before I go any further, this would be a good time to bring on board our armchair detective. Well, for tonight's Armchair Detective, we are welcoming Shane Grove from Bucyrus, Ohio. Hi, Shane. Hey, how's it going, oh, uh, it's... Paula and, and Steve? And Steve. We've already established Steve's a talent. He's the talent. <laughs> yeah. I'm just He's along the for the ride. Oh, Shane. Hey, listen, tell our listeners about yourself. Uh, you know, all I know is I'm just this mailman that walks around uh, Bucyrus, Ohio, and somehow I'm on a podcast. I don't know how it happened. Okay, wait a minute. I know that also on your resume is podcaster, music writer, elbow rubber with uh, famous musicians. So come on, you got to give us a little bit more. None of that can be proven, except maybe in a court of law. But since we're so, so yeah, I host the I host the little podcast called From the Shadows podcast, and we do have the podcast on the end of it. Not to be redundant, but that's because. From the Shadows was already taken, so we do go by the uh, by the title From the Shadows podcast, and so uh, so don't listen to From the Shadows. Listen to, listen to From, From the, the Shadows. Shadows podcast. Yes, got but it. Do go by From the Shadows because that's a book I just had published. But oh, we have to add on. author to your resume <laughs> too. Later, that's for later on in the program. <laughs> okay. so, but uh, but uh, so we kind of explore the the stuff that I've heard you say that you're not totally into the, the paranormal, the cryptids, the uh, supernatural. Although I, I am glad to hear some of these episodes that you guys have tackled that subject because um, Ohio is rich in those stories. Um, but just because I like the, uh, the stuff that you do, the, you know, the missing persons and the, uh, mysterious deaths and and stuff uh one of my fellow mailmen from from actually in mansfield ryan klein he's a big he was a big ohio mysteries uh listener and he's like hey have you checked this out i'm like no no i got a got a whole list of other ones i you know no you got to check these guys out these are guys are fantastic well first time for everything ryan was right and <laughs> i started listening to you guys and you guys are just fantastic so oh you are um, too kind fantastic and the big plus is is when you guys started really promoting the ohio music and as you mentioned i dabble a little bit in songwriting and some music promotion and um, i heard a band that you guys were promoting steel ivory who happened to be from columbus and uh, i reached out to them have made contact with them we've written some stuff together uh they're actually coming up to North Central Ohio to perform a couple times this summer, all thanks to you guys. I can't tell you how excited I was to hear that about Steel Ivory and their collaboration with you. Because, you know, 
we, we are really sincere in wanting to help these creative artists, you know, get their names out there, find a few more fans. I mean, we're just a humble little podcast, but if we can bring, you know, a few more people to that, to their followers, it would mean so much. But we don't know if that's really happening. And when I heard from you and got this example of something that actually happened, boy, it was probably just the single coolest thing I have heard since we started this podcast. So, well, Shane, it's time to talk about Bessie. Oh, I'm, boy. Okay. I'm, I'm excited about this story, and I, I think you are too. I, I understand you did some research yourself on this. Well, so. I, I felt like uh, if I was going to be asked to be on a major podcast then um boy you are buttering it up (laughs) that's right i didn't you know i wanted to come prepared so this is some of the stuff that i came across i think a lot of your listeners you know they probably will start doing the search too once once they hear hear this podcast they want to find out more about bessie and and what all this legend uh entails so some of the things that really struck me that were more in the present day. So in looking, it, it really seemed like there, there was a, an abundance of sightings in the late 80s and the early 90s, which led to the reward being offered that you mentioned right. uh, earlier. And so I just want to point out a couple that, that stuck out to me. I read about one that took place in, in 1990, or a guy out on a on a fishing boat, which, you know, obviously a lot of these sightings are attributed to people out on fishing boats. Uh, but a man named Harold Bricker claims to have seen a creature moving about a thousand feet away from his boat in the water. Now, before I go any further, I just want to point out, I can barely see 20 feet away and figure out how big something is. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm not sure... <laughs> How clearly you could see something from a th- from three football fields away moving in the water. Yeah, I, I don't, if you're above ground, I'm not sure I'm going to see yeah. three football fields yes. away. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to yes. be a naysayer yet. That's right. I mean, he could have pulled out some binoculars. He could have, you know, been up on the, on the fly deck, you know, had a really uh, clear view. I don't know. But I think that was a, seemed to be one of the credible sightings that, uh, started started it all there in the early 90s there is actually a youtube video from 1991 that you can get on and see what appears to be something um and i don't there's no gauge for the distance but there seems to be something moving around in the water the person taking the video is standing on the shore like on a dock there's somebody in a rowboat beyond what this thing is that's flailing around in the water. So it kind of gives you like a little bit of gauge of the size. But once again, the distance, I'm not sure, you know, the rowboat seems pretty small. So we'll look for that and try to get a link of that online. And what seemed to really spur on the, the reward being offered was on July 3rd, about seven to 10 miles from Kelly's Island. I mean, I'm not sure which direction, but It'd have to be north, I believe, because it's seven miles from Kelly's Island. It would put you in the middle of Sandusky, wouldn't it? I don't know. A fisherman reported seeing a serpent, or what he claimed was a serpent, 
between 30 and 40 feet long. That That's all there is to that report. But om, almost a week later, what seemed to be the most credible sighting was a, a man named John Lyles, who owned a charter boat in, out of Huron, and is quoted as saying, I know what I saw, the thing is huge. I didn't see the head, just the tail flopping in the water toward the end of it. And so he and his wife are both uh, quoted in the article as seeing what looked like a snake-like creature, and they were about two miles from Kelly's Island aboard their 52-foot charter boat. Now, that's a pretty good-sized boat. If you saw something in the water that seemed big from that size of a boat, it probably gets your attention. Now, there may be an asterisk to this, John may only be saying what his wife told him to say. That sometimes happens. Husbands are only allowed to say what their wives say. If oh, they're smart. Yeah. They're smart. So, <laughs> so, you know, there are seems, quite a few so, sightings around Putin Bay, Middle Bass Island, but I guess that's normal because there are a lot of people there. So you're not going to be seen unless you go where the population is. So I don't know I mean, if it's concentrated there or if it's just it happens to be there are more people there anyway. Well, it seemed to me that quite a few of the sightings took place at around Huron and Maumee. Like uh, there must be, is, I'm not totally familiar if there's rivers that empty into Lake Erie from those two spots, but it almost seemed like where there was other bodies of water coming into the lake. Now, I will say one of the most credible stories I read were two firemen from Huron who were actually on land and saw something out in the water. They were up higher in a building and from a deck saw something out in the water. To me, if you're in that position as a fireman or it said they were fire inspectors, you just don't really attach your name to seeing something that that unless you really did witness something out there in the water and you were certain, uh, you know, they're trained observers. Right. So you're not just going to mistake a log for an actual animal. And I know, Paul, I mentioned to you this earlier. What really excited me was, and probably the most convincing piece of evidence, was the uh, the cover I found from the Weekly World News that shows the Lake Erie, a Lake Erie monster wrapped around a sailboat, dragging it to the depths of Lake Erie. I mean, listen, if you can't, if you can't trust the Weekly World News, then and that I, was such a convincing photo too. That was a very. It was a photo. leviathan. It was just a serpent. It was, it was the kraken wrapped around that boat. But but what so. What I so then I came across in 2012 an investigative journalist Steve Kovacs who is also claims to be an avid Lake Erie boater. His idea was is that this every sighting can be explained away as a sturgeon. For those for the listeners that don't know what a sturgeon is, they're the big giant fish. Their species is over 200 million years old. So they, they look prehistoric. They look prehistoric. They do have some fins that, you know, if as they moved through the water, if they did happen to be near the surface, 
would look like humps, probably. The one thing, though, that is kind of a uh, misnomer about them is they are known to jump out of the water. They breach the water like a whale and jump out of the water. And what I read was scientists can only explain that they do this because they just simply think the sturgeon thinks it feels good. And that's not a joke. They just think the sturgeon likes to jump up out of the water and lay, I don't know why that would feel good. It seemed like that would hurt. Well, you know what? I, they say that about dolphins. I've seen stories yeah. that say, why do dolphins leap out? And it's because they're, they said they're playing. There's not they're a good. medical need for yeah. them to do that. They're doing it because it's fun. So yeah. why not? I had not heard that, though. I heard yeah. that sturgeon were bottom feeders and people mm-hmm. couldn't understand why they would be coming to the surface at all. But apparently they, there's more to it, them than that. Well, the, and they, and I mean, they absolutely are. They just stick around the bottom. But just like any other fish, I think they, you know, sometimes um, just because they're not always seen frolicking and jumping on the surface doesn't mean they don't. And I mean, I was, I grew up around the lake as a kid. I never saw a sturgeon. This is what blew my mind that in the late 1800s, as many as five million pounds of sturgeon were taking taken a year from Lake Erie, and that was only after though they figured out how valuable they were because of the caviar and there's another chemical or whatever that you can get out of them is used in in making beer apparently. Oh really? That, that kind of surprise. Yeah. And they said before, as you know, I read before they figured out their value, they were basically thrown away as garbage, left to dry on the uh, beaches. Like, so they, so what happened was fishermen accidentally caught them. They weren't out trying to, to, to catch them and they would get in their nets and stuff and they would just toss them up on shore to get, to get rid of them, not even throw them back if they were alive. Um, they would just burn them. They'd use them to feed pigs. Um, And they went so far as to stacking them up like wood and then using them as fuel on steamboats. Wow. So so that, that kind of blew, blew my mind. So, so, but I, I wanted to use some of the other resources that I have available to me. And because we do this podcast that deals in some of the more mysterious and the cryptids and, and uh, monsters that roam the earth, Um, A recent guest of ours, who is a world-famous cryptozoologist, Ken Gerhard. And if you happen across any shows on the Travel Channel, Ken's one of the guys that wears the leather cap, the leather hat. And he's, I mean, any show on Bigfoot or uh, any kind of cryptids, he's the guy that they're talking to. Him and there's a couple other. But um, Ken has become a a friend of, of mine from the show. And so I said, hey. What do you think? You know, what what have you come across in your research? And I mean, this is a guy. He's got a book called The uh, uh, Essential Guide to Bigfoot, which I think, you know, you should have read before you did the Minerva Monster one, and a Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts, which basically catalogs anything cryptid all over the world. And he said while researching for that book, um. He called it South Bay Best. So I don't know if you came across that as a term to uh, 
Yes, that name was actually voted on during a contest in Port Clinton. South Bay Bessie. Okay, South so Bay Bessie, yes. So it seems to me that the can is of the opinion that the original sighting of a lake monster may have actually been a lake monster, have been something that was much more mysterious, that may have been a relic. That so maybe, a sighting back in the 1700s or earlier before we yeah. had all of these factories yeah. that polluted the shore yeah. and made the, the lake toxic and maybe something actually did live there. Something actually something actually did uh, That's present interesting. itself as a, but that, that he, I believe, without closing the book on it, certainly seems to think that the re- more recent ones are probably sturgeon. Okay. That, you know, not to be a big disappointment, but they're probably sturgeon because even in my research, the biggest sturgeon that once roamed Lake Erie are no more. They, once they, they overfished them to the point of uh, decimating the really big prehistoric size uh, population and that uh, there's you know if you do get to see something that's 20 30 feet out there it is a, it is a like a seriously a once in a lifetime site because those size sturgeon just aren't thought to really exist in Lake Erie anymore and if they do they're really really rare so it's not it's, you shouldn't be disappointed if you see one and find out it's a sturgeon, but it's that size, you should be excited. Because it's rare anyway. Yeah, you're one of the few people that um, has gotten to actually see what is a prehistoric animal because that's they look pretty much the same way they did for millions of years. Yeah, I I read that they can live to be 100 years or more. And if they're growing a big chunk of that time, I can see... And, you know, when you see a picture of this thing and you see three grown men holding it and it's bigger than all of them put together, if this thing jumped out of the water or even half of it raised itself tail out of the water, I mean, you've got to think 99.9% of people have never seen a sturgeon in their life. You would have every reason to think that you just saw something absolutely uncharted and phenomenal. Uh I could I could not agree with agree with you more. And I I love Ken's uh, you know little thing that he wants to leave open that maybe back in the 17th or 18th century maybe there was something different out there. I mean certainly you know that is that's worth discussing. Yeah, I mean that's worth leaving open. Well uh, imagine those sturgeon had lived in the lake for with no, with nothing, with no real enemies. Right. Nobody was really fishing like that for since the dawn of man. Right. Imagine how big some of those surgeon may have got. Oh yeah. Nothing. Absolutely. I, I, and the water in better condition and healthy for them. Oh yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, in the in the eighties, I got to be honest with you. If I was in the lake and the surgeon, I would be jumping out of the water every chance I got because. <laughs> Water's pretty bad. 
That's pretty bad. <laughs> Let me out of here. Wait a minute. I can't live up here. I got to go back in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, Shane, that, that's really some good stuff. So, Shane, let's remind our listeners to find your podcast. It is... Our podcast is From the Shadows Podcast. Make sure you get the word uh, podcast in there. Yes. From the Shadows Podcast. We're on, uh, you know, we have a YouTube channel. We're on Spotify, the Apple Podcast. We're... Everywhere that you can find Ohio Mysteries. And you can um, find your book. Is it one book that you've done or more? Yes. It's, a, it's, the, it's the first volume in a series that I have been uh, asked to write. It's kind of different. It's, a, uh, it's presented in a script form because that's what I wrote it as. I wrote it as a television pitch for uh, a show on the Travel Channel. And so the publishing company decided they were just going to go ahead and they wanted to publish the script. So it's, it's as if you would be watching the, uh, the book on television or in a movie oh, or, got it. or whatever. And cool. so, so I, I, it's a series of five. So I've got four more that I've got to, that I'm working on to complete this series. But, uh, um, that is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, wherever, Wherever you can go buy books. I mean, if you really have money to waste and you got some real time to kill, then, you know, go buy the book. I'd love to, and I'd love to hear what you think about it, good or bad. And you'll also have to let us know the uh, musical collaboration you're doing with Steel Ivory. If if uh, that gets released, maybe that's something we could let our listeners know about. So definitely have to stay in touch with that. I will definitely. uh, And, and last but not least, I want to know when you guys are going to come on to our podcast so that we can uh, let our listeners hear some of the really cool stuff that you guys talk about uh, on your podcast. So I don't want to put you on the spot. Oh, anytime, but, Shane. But I'm putting you Any, on the spot. Anytime. I'm, I'm not a paranormal expert, but we've done enough episodes that I have a, a little bit of knowledge about a whole lot of different things. I'm Do ready. You, I'm ready. You don't have you don't have to be paranormal. You just need to the from the shadows just means we need to bring some stuff to the light to to let people hear hear some fascinating tale from uh, uh, from up in the corner of Ohio that you guys. Uh, I'm all home. about the light, and you all know, contrary to how I might come across on some of these, I, I'm very scientific minded, and I want proof. But I am absolutely open-minded. I have not yeah. shut the door anything except on those melon heads. <laughs> those are the only <laughs> ones I shut the door on. But almost everything else, I'm like, you know what? Bring it. I want to hear more. <laughs> Shane, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. It's been a blast. And uh, I keep doing up doing the good work because uh, you guys make the day on the mail route go a lot better. That's it for tonight, campers. Stop by our website, ohiomysteries.com, for photos, links, news clippings, and more for this and every Ohio Mystery episode. That brings us to tonight's musical artist. We love featuring an Ohio musician making original music on every episode. And tonight, we've got a repeat visit from Larry Elefante. That name is the moniker for Michael Retuchin and a diverse array of regional talent that he brings into his songs depending on where he is playing. 
He calls the sound Outlaw Country, Back Porch, and Soul. You can follow Larry Elefante on Facebook or go listen to their music on Bandcamp and YouTube or Spotify. They are pretty prolific when it comes to live performances. So if this is your style of music, be sure to check out the schedule on Facebook. This is a perfect time for a listen to that song we sampled at the start of the podcast. Here's the full version of One Foot in the Mud by Larry Alafonte. Give it a listen, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. in my life. I'm a drunk young man in a wrinkled old shirt. Ain't got no new shoes to shine. Half the water all may be broken, but it's mine. Cigarette in her lips, she's smoking with distress. Walking down my street in a polka dot dress. Something in those eyes cannot be dispersed. She inside such a walk that can never be rehearsed. The lady gonna take and break my I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.